Don't make any sudden movements and don't make a sound this week as we take a look at an adjacent kaiju film to start off the 1990s in an unlikely place to find a giant monster right beneath our feet. This is Kaiju versus History Tremors. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your host who thinks that running away is always considered a plan, Miles. And joining me is my graboid gutting survivalist neighbor, Patrick. Patrick, how you doing this week? Broke into the wrong GD podcast, didn't you? <laughs> I know. If we were a little less cognizant of what we say, like this would be a very, very... <laughs> curse laden podcast well this movie this started week. started out as like a hard r they had like 20 f bombs supposedly right. which is why there's some hilarious dubs of like mother humper yeah no I, I i i took a note about that because yes that that was intentional because it is funny because there's plenty of like dot dams and you know ass and shit all the pg-13 things you can say <laughs> that well they they get some f-bombs in too a couple, they, they do we are of course talking about 1990s tremors an american film making an appearance that isn't king kong or ape related at all which is the first we've had in a hot minute i think yeah yeah and boy it, it this this movie does remind me a great deal of some of the 1950s black and white American bug movies. So many of those are set in the desert and kind of, I mean, this counts as a kaiju film. I believe if we're counting the beginning of the end as as a kaiju. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's enough (laughs) things that we have done. And and for me, you know, like the fifties studying what makes effective American monster movies is as equally important in, in some aspects because I, I think we call it kaiju adjacent, which is fine. It's, um, it's it's really on the cusp. You know, we have both like hard, fast rules of like what makes a kaiju movie and then also kind of adjacent rules of like what makes a kaiju. And part of that is like it's got to have kind of special features, not just be like a big animal. And the the graboids are yeah. as weird and special as they come. And they get weirder as the series <laughs> progresses. And typically uh, we, we want the monsters to be named. And besides there being, are there three graboids? There's, in this there's movie? three or four main ones in this particular but film. One I, has a, a name. They give it stumpy is the thing. Oh yeah, stumpy. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's, it does turn out to be the, the, you know, the final one. boss. Yeah. Of, of the, the monsters. So, so yeah, this one, you you made a note here, and and th- this is a hundred percent accurate. This is essentially ground jaws. This is jaws on land, but I, I think it does share enough with giant monsters, and is such a good creature feature that it should be in the conversation when we talk about kaiju's, especially yeah. how you know b- both being Americans ourselves, the the American taste of monster movies before really the the golden age of American kaiju or kaiju adjacent films really comes into play over the next 15 years that we'll see. Well, and yeah, also, yeah. I mean, not to spoil nothing, but I just love talking about this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Tremors is great. And it, it, we do. I am tempering my score that it's not like w- what I would consider a full kaiju film. But 
one of my favorite kaiju films from the 1950s is them i I rated it very highly up there with it's snuggled right between the beast from Twenty Thousand fathoms and godzilla i love them and this movie has shots that feel like it takes direct inspiration from from that movie also takes place in the desert so that helps it's got that same desert vibe the the scene where they discover like one of the destroyed buildings and you know the the farm where all the the sheep had been <laughs> eaten by the the graboids it just feels like it's straight out of of them so it it really does have a lot of dna from from those those classic american films and it just feel it's so weird that this movie came about when it did like it and it with the stars oddity. that it did it's yeah, well, we'll, we'll we'll talk about this, but before we do, Patrick, I know there's not much, but tell us what's in a title. <laughs> oh gosh, is this from? You looked it up this week, right? Or did I put? This yeah, in? I, I didn't have a lot because <laughs> I got like a. I, he gave me like a a twenty minute window. <laughs> <laughs> Terror underground in Mexico, which is it's not a bad title. At no, it's all. not the the threat from the other world in Sweden. And grease the jaws of the earth, which is which, too on pretty the on the nose. <laughs> too too much on the nose. Yeah, and mostly it's just called tremors. Tremors most most of the world, and it makes sense. So much of what we quote unquote see of the the monsters is based on them just kind of like running giant plumbing under the the ground and uh, <laughs> uh gi- giant barrels i think were used for for the most part and to great effect great effect in this yeah film. i mean so this so i think what struck me most is because outside of you know your kong movies we haven't gotten a a, a full-on american production from a major studio in a while and you kind of get a little bit of whiplash by what might be considered B in on the American studio a lot and mm-hmm. what we usually see. So we're like, even even still, this looks like a high production, like, you know, <laughs> millions of dollars were spent and looks, I mean, honestly, amazing. I think the production of this film is is I think they use the practical effects to great effect. Um, yeah, there's like but- one or two like seconds of of film special effects that don't hold up a hundred percent and that's right (laughs) there's like one composited shot in the the gd rec room (laughs) that uh you're like oh that's that's obviously him in front of you know another screen right but it like it it just it blends very well. There's the also part. that one scene where they blow one of the graboids up, and you can just tell some people just threw some parts onto the cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were there are four graboids, right? Because I believe so. I think there's uh, the initial one, and then she points the, out there's three others. Yeah, they they kill one by running it off the thing, and then they kill one, one in the town, one, one in the rec room, one with. One dynamite, with the dynamite, then and then they kill the cliff. final one. Yeah, Stumpy. Okay, there's so um, many interactions with them. Yeah, and that, I think that's what's so fun about this movie is that while they do a lot of show don't tell, they also, I mean, like Jaws, I mean, the Grabwoods kind of take center stage. There, there mm-hmm. is a lot of scenes where people are getting eaten or things are being messed up by the Grabwoods. But I think the most important part, other than the creatures, are the fact that you have. Such an amazing cast who is clearly just having 
the time of their lives here. <laughs> yeah, despite supposedly some pretty rough conditions in yeah. shooting the movie, they, they shot it and in some of these scenes where it looks like it's, you know, super hot outside, it was actually snowing <laughs> during the beginning of the production, which I think was in like maybe started in it was the uh, it was the beginning of eighty nine. Yeah. So yeah, it still would have been winter there. Um, but which yes, would be very cold. <laughs> some some days absolutely freezing, and then uh, as they got into the production, the the days turned into ninety degree days. <laughs> so it's like these these crazy conditions. But almost all of the movie is shot outside. There's two mm-hmm. indoor sets, which blew my mind. Like it's only the general store and the rec room that are indoor sets miles i mean that that makes sense i mean they're not indoors really any in this movie like even it's so even conceptually i mean they they i mean almost all the scenes are in that general store which is a lot of fun we see a lot of buildings we see a lot of people like come coming in and coming out of buildings and the first one i took is this movie i was being a little cheeky when i wrote this i said this is the first kaiju film that opens with Kevin Bacon taking a whiz. Clearly a space monster Wagmogwi reference, which is 100% not true, although it does open with Kevin Bacon taking a whiz outside. Um, <laughs> Kevin Bacon in this movie. Um, Kevin Bacon what? is amazing in this movie. Him and Fred Ward. I, 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 I love this movie because it is basically like a kaiju versus Boomhauer in friends. Yeah, what if Tucker and Dale took on a kaiju? <laughs> because Fred Ward and and Kevin Bacon oh, in the, this the bromance they have, my goodness, the the chemistry they have is fantastic. But the just the energy, both of those actors are committing to screen. This movie a hundred percent works because everyone is so dang charismatic on screen. And I mean, most of the reviews at the time were like, "Oh yeah, the cast is." phenomenal like Mm -hmm. that's what makes this movie work is because you have a humorous tongue-in-cheek script that is being delivered perfectly like the tone of this movie is pitch perfect from front to back like because horror comedy one is tough you enter Mm -hmm. you add giant creatures and it gets even harder because there are a lot of movies that try to do that like eight-legged freaks and stuff like that that you know are amusing but they don't they don't have the tone that Tremors has. They don't have that perfect execution. And that is largely because of Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon. And honestly, Reba McIntyre is <laughs> pitch perfect in this movie as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, oh God, who plays Bert? Bert? Michael Gro- Gross. For the, the dad from, was it Family? Family Ties. Family Ties. Uh, yeah, you also have... Uh, almost unrecognizable the- with the... <laughs> the get up and mustache yeah. he, he grew. Supposedly he you, came straight from the closing of that show to starting production on this movie. That's hilarious. You like also have the next um, day kind of thing. You have uh, Victor Wong who owns the the local market, most probably famously oh to gosh. a lot of Americans as the grandfather from Three Ninjas. Yeah, I I think of him first as Big Trouble. Big trouble in little China, yeah. He's, yeah, uh, but I'm I'm telling a lot of people our age, <laughs> yeah. and and younger will probably or, or around our age will probably be like, oh yeah, it's the grandpa from Three Ninjas. <laughs> um, uh, he's great in this movie, and definitely 
the best and most horrific death in the film. Oh yeah. As uh, we see him like being swallowed whole by a graboid, which I don't think we actually see for anyone else. Everyone else is like sucked underground or. Yeah. We we get a lot um, of implied deaths, very smart uh, filming because you don't have to be super, super gory, but you just give enough of an implication that, you just assume the nasty. And I, I I thought that that was a really, really great way uh, to execute that. And I, I guess we should start talking a little bit about the the script um, and, and kind of where this movie came from. So you had S.S. Wilson and Brent Maddock, who were working as uh, filmmakers for education safety videos for the United States Navy. And they were on a large boulder in the desert to grab some footage when they started thinking about what if there was something that wouldn't let us off this rock and they started brainstorming a monster movie, which they had initially called land sharks, which again, that jaws references in the DNA for this movie and and the rocks as like islands in like an ocean of dirt uh, comes up multiple times in this Mm -hmm. movie. Oh yeah. There's a lot of visual gags that are clear cut references to jaws including yeah. some moments that look like fins. But so the, the writers asked their friend Ron Underwood, who was at the time working at National Geographic to help develop the monster from Land Sharks so that they could make something a little bit more realistic, something that could possibly exist. Because I think that's one difference in a lot of American movies is we seem to gravitate towards like, how did this get made? Like we, we tend to, not allow the fantastical as frequently. And so something something that is more realistic that could possibly exist seems to grab people's attention more often here. So they have this original screenplay entitled Beneath Perfection, and they they kind of slept on it for a little bit. But once the two writers got a massive hit in the sci-fi comedy short circuit, they started to really shop this movie. And mm-hmm. I... I don't think I realized that the same guys that made short circuit short circuit made tremors before doing this. Yeah. Short circuit doesn't hold up. <laughs> very uh, yeah. Well there is. I mean, it's a still a good movie, but like the, yes, the, there's a lot of stuff that is like, Oh man, yeah, this doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the film is directed by Ron Underwood. You mentioned, and I'm very excited that I didn't know this, but we get to see him on our Kaiju list. Later on in the 90s, he directed the 1998 Disney classic Mighty Joe Young, which mm-hmm. is another movie I haven't seen in a long time. But he's probably most famous for Sl- City Slickers, which it's a would fun movie come out uh, a, a year later after Tremors. But unfortunately, I, he, he had a, a pretty big flop in 2002's Adventures of Pluto Nash, which seemed to put an end to his film career. <laughs> so I mean, he, he's such a massive bomb. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so dumb and so fun. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't dislike. I'm just I just remember that movie being a oh, massive, yeah. massive failure. So he transitioned to television and has he's he's still directing TV today. He does a ton of TV. <laughs> but yeah, this movie and he, he helped usher in some of the other films in this franchise. But this one it just really takes the cake and mm-hmm. some of the fun film transitions and things that they did in this film that cut together the different kinds of technology that they used for the graboids and for the camera movements, the POV shots, the underground, like 
above they're, ground to I, underground. I, I they're POV still shots. impressive. Yeah, uh, it's what you can do with ingenuity and you know just having great technical people on set coming up with these ideas. There, there's so many great shots of that traveling POV shot. But one thing that really surprised me is um, if we. Oh, I don't want to jump too far into the the technicals, but the, this the graboids themselves are a mixture of hand puppets, actual miniatures, like animatro- animatronic miniatures, giant full sized <laughs> hydraulic monsters, and I, I don't think they use any stop motion, but so just almost every other trick in the book. Uh, all these designed by Amalgamated Dynamics, which is a company formed from former employees of Stan Winston's studios who would go on. They'd get multiple Oscar noms. They would win an Oscar for death becomes her. And do you remember that movie? Oh yeah. I love that movie. Um, <laughs> they've also been involved in all three legendary Godzilla films. Yes. I think most notably specifically for the Rodan design, which is great. I love it. It's, it's such, it, it's a very different Rodan, but, God, they got such a wild filmography. <laughs> yeah, if, if you go on, if you go on there, they did do the special effects for I think all of the Tremors films as well. We're unfortunately not going to look at the other Tremors movies. This is really the only one that would say. Yeah, I mean, fits the, in. The, the second one they have these land think, graboids that are that are a little the, bit different. I think there's like a mama graboid, like a huge, a, a larger one in like six. I'm not, I'm not watching all these movies to get to one more. I mean, I, I, yeah, I'd start a Patreon just to watch all the Tremors movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to say, once we get through every other Kaiju movie and we, we're, we're going back to perfection, we're out of uh, ideas. <laughs> um, no, I mean, but I, I love that. I love having something physically like, and then like, no matter how great your CGI is having something physically there with the actors, always make the difference and and you can tell like, when kevin bacon when they when the first one does because hey guys i think i found the ass end <laughs> yeah that, that's a, that's a great great build a, a great set that they had for the the first dead graboid <laughs> so much fun um, I, I mean i it's like i'm thinking of all the great lines like the the dialogue and the just the delivery specifically Kevin Bacon just shines in this movie. I know apparently he was embarrassed by this for a while. Cause it didn't do, you know, gangbusters. He but- was kind of, you know, just looking for work and he, he blames, I think some roles kind of drying up after this, which, you know, it's, it's not the case. Like the nineties just like hit a lot of 80 stars kind of yeah. square I mean, in the jaw. Cause he's, excellent in this movie and every critic talked about how good the cast was yeah and i like i mean this movie uh, we'll we'll talk about it but i mean yeah he he wasn't the problem this movie i actually don't know what it was uh (laughs) in terms of 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 why this movie bombed except that you know once upon a time january was a dead zone and and there's a reason for it Mm -hmm. but i it, it's difficult to talk about this movie without like trying to want to like you know bring up lines and stuff because <laughs> it, this uh, this movie just just lives and breathes on the the like I said this on the charisma and the delivery of the, of really all the actors but specifically the main two and 
and that's who we follow. Like we we start the movie following Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward. Uh, so Val uh, and Earl. The YouTube channel Dead Meat. Uh, have you watched their their trimmers? I don't think so. Oh boy, go go ahead and treat yourself. They uh, Zorin, one of the like other co-hosts there, did all the trimmers movies, and they're all amazing reviews. But pointed out, I think in that rev- the first film's review that the movie starts with Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward basically telling you how they're going to kill the final graboid in the movie by <laughs> Kevin Bacon pretending that there's a stampede and oh yeah Fred Ward is in a brown sleeping bag that makes him look like a graboid and he falls off the back of the truck that cemented this movie's script as one of the best <laughs> yeah monster scripts of of all time not even i mean just plot wise i think it is so well paced so well thought out and all the information does come to you like at the same time as the the characters and you kind of process like all the monster's powers and the the escalating kind of uh problems that they're going to have in surviving just getting out of town so well but that yeah not even including <laughs> the great dialogue which miles i did not rewatch this movie for the review do you know why I- i've watched this movie like <laughs> once or twice a year for like my entire life i feel like i've watched this like yeah i well times. so i did just because i wanted an excuse to watch it again because i watched this with my my nephew a couple weeks ago yeah because <laughs> So his parents started letting him, you know, kind of get, get some introductory horror stuff. Like he's watched like signs and and this is great and stuff like that. This is a and great introductory horror film too. He loved Tremors when we visited when we when we visited a couple months ago. You know, I, I I usually get up a little bit earlier, and he was already up, and he's asked, "Can we watch Tremors? Can we watch Tremors?" And they don't own it, so um, luckily at the time, apparently no longer, Tubi had it, so threw tremors on and he was just glued to the screen. He loves the movie and it's, it's a delight. And then I decided to watch it just yesterday, just to kind of refresh my memory because it's such a fun movie. I have such a great time watching it. It's not a chore. Like if we had to watch like something else that I had seen before that I really didn't like, you were going to get, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of a half-assed effort there, but <laughs> tremors, I was, I was happy to watch again. <laughs> the, the thing is like, if you, give me like any line from Kevin Bacon or Fred Ward. I can probably give you like the corresponding line. There's just, it, they're so well versed and they play off each other so well in this movie. Kevin Bacon's Valentine is, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, he's just so funny. Fred Ward is kind of the straight man of the two, but I, I, I it boggles my mind. That sci-fi passed on a television series I where Kevin Bacon re- agreed to return not only one to television, two to the sci-fi channel, and three to this series, and they still passed on the the the, the pilot. <laughs> it's it's beyond belief. They had already made a uh, Trimmer series in the the early two thousands, I think. But yes, they, they did do a, a series that was canceled. I mean, honestly, sci-fi is not the place for it. They they would they would maybe in the early 2000s, they would have put a little bit of money in there. But mm-hmm. like they're just outside of a couple of 
I would say a couple of uh, exceptions, they just don't really dedicate themselves to their programming these days. And I I think it's a shame because I wish Shudder or USA or somebody would be like, yo, if Kevin Bacon is willing, yeah, let, let's please. let's do this. Please just pay him what he wants. Just let the show go forward. It, it feels like a concept that you know would make a good television show even better than like the kind of sequelized vhs direct to video store sequels that they they had which i enjoyed the first i think i've only really seen the first three movies i've only seen the first three because the first three had some production value i mean and michael gross well michael gross returns to all of them (laughs) um (laughs) he he is the (laughs) the star of the the series even in the prequel movie he plays like his father or grandfather <laughs> like yeah but michael my, yeah michael gross's bert has been a major part of the franchise from here on out uh, fred ward fred did ward? return yeah, to he's... the second one which is the one i think i've seen the most of the sequels mm. aftershocks i've seen a couple times I and he gets like. a, a sidekick that kind of replaces kevin bacon that's like why why even try <laughs> he should it's yeah. just been the uh, bert and fred ward's character but yeah i love, love fred ward uh, the thing i remember him the most from it's not the right stuff, which which he became very famous for. But he was the one of the bad guys in Naked Gun thirty three and a third. Oh yeah, he's so I love good movie. in that movie. He's, I mean, he's, he's been in so much stuff. Oh goodness gracious! And he he plays these kind of cowboy esque characters, these these southern characters in a lot of films. To you know, pun intended, perfection. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean he's. He he's just he's been all over the thing, and we we sadly lost him last year. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was a big blow. Finn Carter, we haven't talked about her, but she plays our. I would say the the other main character and and Rondo Lebec, who's the geology student that uh, <laughs> disappoints Valentine and not being a, a blonde with legs that go all the way up. <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, unfortunately, her her acting credits kind of dried up. Like 15 years ago or so, and she was recently she hadn't arrested. done much. I mean, she did a couple things in the 90s and then some TV spots here and yeah. there, but she is great in this movie as well. I, I feel like she, she does have this, and this is not a disrespect really, but she has this kind of budget Jodie Foster look to her. I think she looks great. I think she plays the no, 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 character. I'm not insulting her, but she's yeah, she had a Jodie Foster vibe to her that I was like. They probably couldn't afford to get Jodie Foster, but let's get let's get a Jodie Foster. I just I wish this movie did better, so we could have had, uh, you know, potentially her and Kevin Bacon return for sequels. But the movie did not do well, Miles. Uh, we we it it, yeah. it kind of bombed in theaters, and well, people thought that was going to be the end of it. You know, it's it's weird because I you know I was like oh yeah bomb, but I forgot I forget how the finances work back in the day, so. Mm-hmm. Making sixteen point seven off a ten million ball, but the dollar budget was not good. It it's, was considered a very minor, modest success, so it probably broke even. Yeah, typically, the time. typically the what what you do is take the the listed production budget and, and times double, it yeah. times it by one point five, double it for like big big films. So it might have yeah just broke broke even after <laughs> you know costs for distribution, well, but it and, did. And super well later yes so this is how bad how how dry the movie launched so it it opens in 14 and a half hundred theaters mm-hmm. davies at number five against Ooh. no new releases 
So it was against Born the Fourth of July, Tango and Cash, and The War of the Roses, I think all which had come out in December. And then the only January movie that had come out was Internal Affairs, which was a massive hit. So it only grossed about $3.7 million its opening weekend. But as, as you kind of insinuated, it became a massive hit on home video purchases, rentals, and television, because yes, pay-per-view used to be a real thing, becoming one of the most rented films of 1990. So, and I mean, it's, it's something that I loved growing up in the 90s is how important box art in the late 80s, early 90s was for oh, selling yeah. those VHS tapes. And the poster and the box art for Tremors, like, yeah, I mean, we don't even have to bring up a, we don't have to bring up a picture. It is it, seared into my brain from walking through the video store as a kid mm-hmm. and seeing it over and over and being like, I got to watch this movie. This looks terrifying. Very much a, a misdirect uh, because <laughs> yeah, because it's it makes so you think funny. the monster on the front is going to be 500 feet long. You know, it's <laughs> actually just one of the graboids mouth tentacles that it's that shown there and you know probably at like a, a much different scale it's got the uh I, I, once again i'm just going off memory the three main characters kind of their their backs to the the camera is that right maybe i should look this up <laughs> no they got the fr- uh it's kevin bacon fred ward and can you see their faces uh no, they're kind of yeah, kind of. I mean, if if you yeah, saw the poster in front forward. of you, you could probably see their faces. Yeah, but look how big the graboid. Oh, the graboid's massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 a very uh, Jaws inspired uh, poster design, and I mean, it it works. It's such a good poster. I know um, it's I know it's hard, Miles. But can you name a favorite scene in the movie? Do you have oh, a gosh. single favorite scene? I know this one. This might be one of the hardest bits. Yeah, I mean, because this thing is it's just consistently funny. It's consistently good. I mean, and then there's there's moments that are not even Graboy related. I mean, they're Graboy related, but like there's there's so many good lines. I love this sequence <laughs> where the Graboid attacks. Um, what's 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 Burton Heather's rec room? <laughs> yeah, come on. That's it, it's hard not uh, to pick that as as the best scene in the film. <laughs> It's so funny. And he thought that you picked the wrong rec room, you bastard. <laughs> it's 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 wonderful. Um there's oh uh I do also love this it's a stupid sequence, but there is a, a teenage kid who constantly terrorizes Earl throughout <laughs> the film, and three times in a row he pretends that something's happened to him like crying wolf <laughs> and freaking out earl and then the third time he's like that kid and you find out that he was actually attacked by a graboid it's a great delivery well, yeah I, I think that's one of my favorite bits is when um <laughs> burt gummer gives a a giant hand cannon to uh <laughs> to the oh, kid to the Bobby to to get his courage up to run to the rocks at the end of the film and then when he shoots the gun it it's not loaded and uh got you oh, moving didn't it got you moving didn't it yeah I also love the, love the gun safety because he knows he handed him an empty gun but he still checks the barrel when he takes it back from him I mean that's that's I mean it's just good character work it's like it's this great. is who this who this character would have been 
I love I love some of the smaller scenes where like so long as there's no more vibrations and then they just hear the little girl on the pogo stick going up and down, <laughs> up and down. And the ice <laughs> ice machine going off. Yeah. The the building yeah. destruction in that sequence is probably the thing that brings it most to the a kaiju film because they literally start shaking the foundations of of the houses mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, they're not gonna be safe anywhere. You know, these things are hungry, you know? Yeah, and I think I love this twist on a kaiju film just because you're typically used to seeing things above ground knocking over buildings as opposed to underground kind of just tearing buildings from the ground up. And, I mean, we also haven't seen a lot of underground creatures, you know? Mm-hmm. I know we had one creature that, uh, was it was it Megalon that would pop up underground yeah. and pop up? He, but, like, a not, a, not a lot of subterranean creatures. And so this is also something fresh and interesting i think that's also what separates it from a lot is not only is it a a well-executed script but it's also taking an idea that we haven't seen a ton of if they had done this and done it with irradiated lizards or giant (laughs) ape it may not have been as 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 good i i think there are parts in the movie where the fact that it is more like them that there's like several giant bug Mm -hmm. monsters out there makes it more terrifying than one single large one. I think that works very well to the script's favor. I also like that this movie isn't like a lot of the films that we've seen. Yes, you do have one college student or a grad school student, but typically everyone else is just, you know, it's small town Hicks. And I think that makes it more fun. Mm -hmm. There's a a, working class monster movie quality to this. Uh, And I think the only movie that, possibly comes close to it in the last 30 years might be James Gunn's slither in terms of execution. Yeah. Yeah. There there's, you know, there are movies both before and after that kind of have giant underground slug or snake or those kind of creatures. And I've been to put in our notes, some of the, the ones that come before it, but coming after it, we are going to look at some, mm-hmm inspired things even here in the the 90s that i i feel may not have become uh, come to fruition if trimmers hadn't done very well in vhs sales and, and rentals oh and yeah like i that. mean slither really i mean yeah you have the, the beginning of the alien slugs but it's mostly kind of a zombie-esque you know trauma gore fest mm-hmm. although it is referenced referencing trimmers because the school in the movie is called the earl bassett community school Ooh, interesting. Which is a nod to Fred Ward in Tremors. Uh, Miles, I'm just looking at the notes here. Who is the Bobby's? Is Bobby's parents in this film? <laughs> um, the 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 annoying kid in the movie. Oh, I'm Melvin. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Melvin Plug. Is there is there another character with the last name Plug? I'm just looking at. The... I don't think so. I think where's this his... kid? Who's this kid live with? I don't think his parents ever I think they're mentioned in some piece of dialogue of them being elsewhere. But yeah, we only see this kid. We <laughs> don't see his parents. Even when even when um Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon are working on their was it their septic tank. Yeah. So gross. <laughs> Especially when it starts leaking. He's out there, you know, uh yeah, I'll help you buy me a six pack of beer. And I'm like, you are like 12 at best <laughs> yeah this is a desert latchkey kid if i've ever seen one how how did this movie do critically it, it, so, it didn't do well theatrically but critics did critics, enjoy it 
Yeah, critics loved it. It currently holds an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 7.1 on IMDb. Ebert gave the film three and a half out of four stars. Jeez Louise. Say, not, not even remotely unearned, I think. No, no, no. He says Tremors succeeds in the fact that it puts focus on fun characters instead of the creatures attacking them. Uh, and want to call it you know, a good, goofy, dumb, fun movie. And claimed how he was embarrassed by how much he enjoyed the film. But even his notoriously genre-weary partner, Gene Siskel, though originally down the film, came to very much enjoy it, saying, This picture has grown on me. I think it's worth a second viewing. There is a spirit of good fun here. Tremors is one of the B-movies to get the formula right. I highly recommend it. And coming from that man, that is mm-hmm. singing from up the rooftops. Yeah. The the 80s as far as like monster features go is really dominated by John Carpenter's the thing for Mm -hmm. me, but the nineties, this is such a strong start to monster movies. I I think it's the best start to a decade we've ever had. (laughs) I mean, that's hard to argue. (laughs) It's hard to argue. Looking back at this. I'm trying to think from 1950 to 1960 to 1970, 1980. And I'm like, Oh man, none of these movies are really in. Yeah. No, the 1960s, started with reptilicus <laughs> boy the, oh boy the 1970s gamera versus jiger ah. and another another uh, gamera in the 80s super yeah, monster super monster oh, yeah thank you. we know about that one uh, uh so yeah I, I feel confident saying the 90s so far the strongest start to a decade we have had all right well let's not gild the lily anymore we fucked about this movie and can probably talk about it for a f- full another hour if we wanted to check back with us in two years maybe we'll do some more trimmers reviews but for my personal enjoyment i'm giving it a nine out of ten it is as close to a perfect film as as i can imagine in kaiju adjacent territory it is immensely rewatchable it is still not like my my favorite movie of all time but that being said between kevin bacon the super relentless smart script the special effects from when i was a kid to now is is very much a whenever whatever point in the movie this is on tv or someone's watching it i could like watch it to the end so i've probably watched this movie uncompleted like 50 times but i bet i've seen it 20 times all the way through yeah sometimes it's a little frustrating to watch because it's like (laughs) I know it too well. I kind of wish I could <laughs> delete that part of my brain, but yeah, nine out of 10 miles. What about you? I'm kind of shocked how hard you are on this movie. Uh, this is a 10 out of 10 for personal <laughs> enjoyment. I've watched this twice in the last month and enjoyed every second of it. <laughs> Echoing what you said, it's a pretty perfect film. The, the pacing of this film is crackerjack. I mean, this movie has no fat on it whatsoever. And every scene is carried by a kinetic ensemble cast from your your two main leads with Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon to all the phenomenal supporting characters. Everyone gets good lines. There's plenty of great jokes. The creatures look fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a wonderful monster movie. I think, yes, we talked about its nature of being kind of kaiju adjacent, but in conversation of monster movies, this is an absolute must see. It's one of it's it's certainly a favorite of mine, especially when it comes to American monster movies. I wish this had the the fervor that that stupid ape does, 
I mean, this 10 got, out of 10. Love this movie. It's got like six sequels. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, sure. But, you yeah. know, they're directed video sequels. <laughs> I mean, there, that, that's, there still, a, that's still uh, that's still worthy. But there's Tremors. Convention. I didn't get my Kevin Bacon follow up is what, what I'm most upset about, Patrick. <laughs> there's a, a Tremors convention out west that happened, I think, a year or so ago. That's that awesome. was partially hosted by George R.R. R. Martin. He's like neighbors with, I think, Ron Underwood or one of the producers. That does not surprise me whatsoever. So interesting. But anyway, for the technical aspect, I'm digging this a little bit more. I think it is a technical marvel with some of its special effects. Almost all the practical effects that were done in camera are above and beyond, you know, amazing. In some of the characters, they're maybe a little too simple or, or one dimensional, but this is an ensemble cast for the most part. And your leads really do shine very well. Um, and then you got Reba McIntyre who's in there and she gets a song in too. We didn't talk about the soundtrack too much, but it's actually two soundtracks. They scrapped part of the initial one that was a bit mm-hmm. too campy and added in some more action packed sounds. Those meld pretty well. Every once in a while, it's a little jarring. Uh, I always think back to the the skipping stones with the the pole vaulting scene, which is another one of my favorite scenes. The the music is so silly for like, oh, we almost got eaten by giant giant worms. Now we're having having a good old time. Um, but um, I, I'm giving this an eight out of ten for for its technical aspects really above and beyond and, and elevated as far as American movies goes, you know, it's, it's so crazy. Uh, the, like the last American Kaiju movie that we saw was cue the winged serpents. <laughs> oh, good. So later. you also agree that King Kong's not a Kaiju. I, I'm glad you finally said it. <laughs> oh, I forgot about King Kong lives. Uh, nope, nope, nope. You said what you said. <laughs> well, j- just thinking <laughs> those are the two American ones in the 1980s yeah. and it's like think about how big of a leap <laughs> this was what about you miles technical aspects so there are a couple of moments where i think the script could have punched up on some of the character death scenes especially with the while well, they're they are very funnily executed uh like the 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 road workers mm-hmm. I, I wish they could punch up a couple of those scenes but there, there there's nothing detrimental that's that is a an armchair criticism but the the general script is phenomenal. The acting is through and through exactly what's being called for. This the creature design is cool. There's a couple of moments where, yeah, they you could tell that they they did with what they had, but I think that the end result was still phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um nine out of ten, buddy. Nine <laughs> out of ten. Uh, I think I think I think this is one of the best B movies ever made in that respect. Yeah, I don't even I can't even imagine it being a B movie. Like I understand it's in that style, it's, it, but it's a B movie in spirit, if not in budget. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say it it really it goes above and beyond. Like it. like Slither, it's someone took a trauma movie, well the first Slither, and gave it an actual Hollywood budget. This is kind of a similar thing, because ten million dollars in nineteen ninety was nothing to sniff at. <laughs> no, no, it's actually quite a, a large investment. So for the evocative where this stands as a piece of kaiju art, I I would say I'm going to be very harsh on this. I'm not going to be as harsh as I originally thought. It is, I would say, pretty eye-opening for what alternatives to giant monsters could be and what people can do looking back at the earlier decades of, of kaiju movies. 
because I love them so much, I do feel, uh, you know, all the scenes that are really inspired by that movie do shine here. The reveal of the monster pretty late in the script is, you know, very classic suspense and mm-hmm. and, and horror writing, but it, it doesn't usually make it feel like a, a kaiju movie. But they were originally going to do that in this script, not really show the monster like at all for like the first half hour. Make, you know, that's where the lines of like, them thinking it's like a serial killer on the loose killing people comes from. But that when they kind of took it to production, I think some producers were like, no, you should really lean into the giant monsters in your land sharks film. (laughs) I don't think this adds a ton to the Kaiju genre, but it is playing off those earlier giant monster tropes. This does make kind of its own subgenre. You mentioned slithers. There's another film called grabbers, uh, which, oh, the Irish film? Yeah, I don't think we're going to do, but... Oh, man, I it's fun. Yeah. Th- I, it, could, it could count, honestly. I, well, th- that's the thing. I I really feel like you can make a whole subgenre of just Tremors-like movies. There are some 91, like I said, 90s films that are going to pop up on I, our list. I, that... I, I think I might, ca- I might lobby for grabbers. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> our schedule is so tight. That, that being said, not super extremely insightful for kaiju film history so for its evocative nature i'm giving it a six out of ten what about you miles so i think that this does a an excellent job of i mean one as as a monster film i think it's pitch perfect i I, as an american monster film and i i think in kind of giving the i the working off the tropes and Mm. the the classic american monster films of the 50s as well as some of the modern American monster films like Jaws, even though it's a shark movie, it is kind of a monster movie in and of itself, as well as playing with a couple of kaiju tropes. Now, I agree, it is lighter on the heavier Japanese kaiju tropes, for sure. But I think it does a lot with the giant creature archetype in in the American film landscape that we don't get to see a lot of because it's been mired by a giant monkey. And I mean, and and seriously, I mean, not not since the fifties have we have we had so many creatures that were not King Kong or Kong like. So I think that this does a really good job of kind of reminding people, hey, there's more to the giant monster tableau than just your your two your two points of reference, mm-hmm. and 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 even doing so as a kind of a, a spoof of sorts. And yeah, for that reason, I'm just going to give it an, I'm giving it a nine for that for, for, for its evocative nature as an American monster movie and the specific American identity of the type of monsters that I think we kind of really jive with. I, I think this is very, very evocative in that nature. Now, is it as close to Daikaiju and stuff? Not as much, but I think there's a lot to mine from this in, in terms of, American offerings. So yeah, I'm I am just to the shock of no one fully, fully on the tremors train. It's absolutely like one of the highest scores I think you've <laughs> given on the podcast as well. Yeah. To a non-Godzilla film? <laughs> For a non-Godzilla film, five certain. Because I've given, I've given tens to some Godzilla films. Yeah, that that kind of splits I, us I down. I gave 10 to the last one. <laughs> sp- splits us down the middle. You're at a 9.3. I'm at a 7.6. It's going to bring our podcast average to an 8 out of 10, which too honestly... Low. Too low. 
is I think is still good because that puts it in the neighborhood of what we describe as our great films, our eights, nines, and tens. We are we are point zero five away from giving it a nine. That is that is nonsense. You fixed your score right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I already I already increased mine uh, from from what I I wanted to give it to maybe Evocative maybe I should give nature. it a ten for Evocative Nature to make sure it gets a nine. <laughs> Um, uh, it, I, 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 I think this is a must watch. I think this film is excellent. And yeah, I am. I am like I said, on the, 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 the tremor train for its evocative nature. I do think it makes its own subgenre. I think the sci-fi channel should have picked up the series because they have so many schlock films for oh, yeah. big, big monsters, big creatures that feel like they just take the ideas of tremors and then just like run it into the ground it's probably like a hundred movies you could uh come up with that are you know tremors inspired monster flicks the the last tremors movie had michael michael gross and his co-star john heater napoleon dynamite yeah yeah the last one yeah, yeah, taking over for uh, Jamie Kennedy. He was in like three of the movies, two of the movies. So wild. I have it. I know this one popped on the Netflix pretty quickly. I have not. I've only seen, like I said, the first three. But I. This makes me want to go down the the Tremors. Uh, they're they're fun movies. It's just like it's such a precipitous drop off from the oh, first oh one. yeah i mean I, like, I i think the second one's actually pretty solid but um if if i was going to rewatch them i would start with two go to the end and then go back to one to to finish strong yeah that's that's going to do it for us 8 out of 10 for tremors if you want to yell at me for for not allowing to get a get a 9 you can. I should probably change one of my scores to a ten. Just to- oh, the episode didn't email. We can. Uh, you can email us at kaiju versus history at gmail. Find us on Twitter at kaiju versus history, or check out our website kaiju versus history And yeah, check out our letterbox reviews. All of our out of ten reviews, they are in five star format, so there's there's half stars involved. So this would be a a four star review and goes in our liked column um which i'm i'm happy about i i i did specifically put my score where it would be on you if if you wanted to um carry it over the the eight mark which you you did with a plum but yeah no if if i'm feeling like a kaiju movie this isn't the one that i'm i'm gonna jump into (laughs) i think maybe that's that's the final demarcation if i'm just looking for something fun in the background this is a good one though miles what we doing next week all right well thank you patrick and we are going to catch everyone next time when a film resist when a film revisits the classic 1960s subaraya series that launched a kaiju franchise with an updated film for the 90s that seeks to reinvent a brand from the modern era. That's right. Tune in next time for History vs. Ultra Q, the movie Legend of the Stars. 